0: Hello everyone, welcome to episode number 11 of our podcast for uh, discipleship. Uh, The title of this podcast is Understanding the Predispositions of My Human Nature. Now, identifying the enemy will always help us to increasingly depend less on ourselves and more on the Lord Jesus Christ. And new believers will often say, I thought when I became a Christian, I, I wasn't going to be tempted anymore, or some of the things that I used to do as a believer or as an unbeliever I thought would disappear, but instead I find that I'm still capable of doing those things. So, we'll always have temptations, and we'll always need to deny our fleshly nature, and we've got to understand that our old sinful human nature has not been improved. That old nature is still there, but there's good news about that, and I'm going to tell you about that good news today. So... Have you ever looked around in church service thinking that the Christian life is a breeze for everyone else but not for you? Everyone else is clapping, smiling, praising the Lord, singing, making it easy for you to come to a conclusion that those Christians, the other guys, not me, but those other guys, they don't have the same struggles with sin that I have or the same temptations that I have. Maybe you might think that the Apostle Paul didn't have to struggle with sin the way you do either. After all, he was that super spiritual, super Christian, right? So it's easy to conclude that our sinful nature is different than other people or other believers or their sinful nature is less wicked than what we have to face. But the truth is that we all have the same sinful nature because it was inherited from Adam. In 2 Corinthians 5 and 17 says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature and old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now, doesn't this verse mean that my sinful nature is gone? Isn't it dead? No, our, our old sinful nature it, it doesn't cease to exist but God provides for that victory over our sinful nature and by implanting or by imputing to us his divine nature in the person of Jesus Christ and and when we receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost we, we get that divine nature of Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit gives us the power to overcome that fleshly nature that is still capable of rising up in us by and by giving us god's nature he freed us so that we can walk in the spirit and and we the as we've said in the past uh discipleship episodes walking in the spirit is called abiding galatians 5 and 16 says this i say then walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh the 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 if then statement is that if you are walking in the spirit, if you are following the Lord Jesus Christ, you will not fulfill the desires of the flesh. But if you take a break from walking in the spirit, if you decide you're going to be idle today, you're going to ride the fence, then the flesh will rise back up and you'll find yourself walking in the flesh and fulfilling the desires of the flesh again. So he says, we need to walk in the spirit and we will not we will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So think about how during your entire life you you're focused on your on your life of behaving properly from your earliest childhood until until you became a Christian. Uh, you think, well, God knows, or he 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 wants to change my focus from outward behavior to in inward transformation. So. Uh, we're, we're always thinking about our behavior as Christians, and we, we a lot of times we think about works and behavior. People need to see that we're living right, but the way that that needs to happen is from the inside out, not the outside in. It's the inward transformation that makes the outward behavior be what it needs to be, because as I allow the Lord, as I Lord Jesus Christ, as I allow the Holy Spirit to transform my inward convictions and values within me, my outward behavior will show it. My outward behavior will follow my inward convictions. So he wants to transform us from the inside out. That's why the scripture says that we need to not be conformed to this world, but be you transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of the Lord. That We need to be working on our inward transformation with the word of God, allowing the Holy Spirit to transform us by abiding with him and following his leadership and not asking him to come into what we're doing and, doing and uh, following our own will and asking him to just take part of it. That's not how the Christian life works and worse yet christians may say i'm so bad that i'm beyond repair i've heard people say that and they say i've tried the christian life and i i thought i was going to have a joyful life with god but instead i see these same old sinful desires welling up inside of me so i must not be saved well we need to understand that those sinful desires are going to be there until you get dominion over it, until you get the Holy Spirit in you, and that's why when you get saved, when you get sanctified, the next step is to receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost, to have the power. I know a lot of people want the baptism of the Holy Ghost so they can speak in tongues, but you should throw that out the window if that's all you want, because you don't understand what you're saying anyway. The main purpose for receiving the baptism of the Holy Ghost is to receive. Receive power over sin, power over the devil, power to preach the gospel, power to give your testimony, power to overcome this world. That's what the Holy Spirit was sent to you for. Now, at, uh, as we grow, we acquire some some convictions in this world. We we uh, as we start out as a child, we we grow convictions. Uh, Through our life, we get different values and different perspectives of life from our parents, from our friends, from school, from TV and the internet, social media, whoever you're hanging out with, whatever's going on in your life, you start to build convictions and values and a perspective of life, and this is true for whatever culture you're raised in too, and it's called your world view. And all these external influences shape the way that you understand life. And, and these values or convictions or your lack of values and convictions are processed in your mind. And, and so you, you're going to take that worldview and that value system that you grew up with into your Christian life. And it's going to affect the way that you see Christ, the way that you read the word of God. But when you become a Christian, the Holy Spirit should come into your life. You need to seek the not just the Spirit of Christ moving in you where the, bat, where the Holy Spirit baptizes you in the Spirit of Christ, but you need to receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost so that uh, you will be able to receive power because He wants you to follow His truth. And, and in order to follow His truth, you got to have the strength to have the desire and keep the desire to follow His truth. It's not always easy to do, but you have to have that strong desire and the spirit is what leads you to keep that desire in your heart so that you won't be conformed to the ways of the world like the scripture said. So he wants to transform or modify your worldview that you grew up with, that you was impregnated with in your mind and was placed into you and, and was just embedded in you throughout the time when you was born all the way up to the time you received Christ, the Holy Spirit wants to transform that worldview to conform to His will and to His truth. John sixteen thirteen through fifteen says, Howbeit, when he, the Spirit of Truth, is come, he will guide you in all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak. And he will show you things to come. And he shall glorify me, as Christ is saying, for he shall receive of mine and shall show it unto you. So God will never force you. Listen. He'll never force you to follow his will, but as you choose to be teachable, when you decide you want to have a teachable spirit, when you decide you want to grow in the spirit and grow in God's word, we choose to be teachable. That way the Holy Spirit will teach us and use his word and other means that he has to gradually illuminate areas in our understanding that he wants to alter or change or transform. John 17 and 17 says that sanctify them through thy truth, thy word is truth. Ephesians 4 and 22, that ye put off concerning the former conversation of the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that ye may put on the new man, that means there's something you're going to have to do to get it on, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. But we have to cooperate with him to allow him to make those changes. As Psalm 63 and 1, David wrote, O God, early I will seek thee, my soul thirsts for thee. You have to have a hunger and a thirst for his righteousness and have a desire in your heart to want that to happen. And then the Holy Spirit will make it possible for you to have this transformation that he promises he'll give you. This process of transformation and spiritual growth is called sanctification. Sanctification as results in increasingly more spiritual fruit will be coming to you as many worldviews change inside of you your choices begin to be motivated by love and truth and not selfishness through that I am blessed because of being motivated by God's love and his truth and being less of myself so the next challenge that you have to deal with is who's in charge of deciding what needs to be changed in your life is it you How did that work out for you before you came to Christ? Who's in charge of really deciding what needs to be changed? And how do the changes need to be made? And in what order do they need to be made? So left on your own, left up to your decision, you could easily conclude that God leaves it up to you to make those decisions. But that's not true. John fourteen and twenty six says, But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I have said unto you. John sixteen and thirteen says, Jesus said, Howbeit, when he, the Spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you in all truth. So you need to see right there, both of those scriptures are saying that it's not your decision. It's the Holy Spirit that makes those decisions for you and you you bend to God's will. You make the decision to submit and be teachable so that he can lead and guide you and you're not pulling him in the direction you want to go. Now, one huge temptation to avoid is the assumption that imitating the behavior of other people, other believers, other Christians, will lead to a life that is pleasing to God. We see this in churches everywhere, to where people learn the behavior. They they learn well. So and so's raising their hands and they're shouting. So I'm going to raise my hands and shout. I, you know, I you know, I even had some people tell me that they practice their speaking in tongues so that they can get better at it, imitating. Something is not the real thing. Imitation is not the real thing. And if you put imitation anything in anything else, it don't taste the same as the real thing. You do not want an imitation of the Holy Spirit because you're not ever going to get to experience the real Holy Spirit as long as you're pretending to have it. Now, I can conclude that these people that uh, uh, already have read the Bible and therefore, uh, whatever, they know what needs to be changed in themselves. So I can assume that They've allowed God to use his word to change their worldview, so then I can take a shortcut and model my behavior after them rather than relying on the Bible, right? Well, theoretically, that should be true, that other believers are faithfully following God's word. After all, the apostle Paul did say, be ye followers of me, even as I also am followers of Christ. That's found in 1 Corinthians 11 and 1. That if I imitate Paul then I theoretically should be following Christ because Paul is following Christ and I'm a follower of a Paul. But why is this such a risky assumption? Because many older believers have probably made the same error, following their peers who have followed their peers and followed their peers and so on and so on. And, And so the process is duplicating again and again, resulting in many churches being filled with people and believers who may or may not even be following God's word at all think of this example let's look at it this way if you have a copying machine and somebody you have a document or you have a picture or something that somebody wants a copy of so you take that original and you put it on that xerox machine and you run it off and you make a copy and then somebody else wants a copy of that duplicated copy so you duplicate the copy to make another copy and then somebody else wants a copy so after five or six copies deep the duplications. how clear is that last copy compared to the original? It's so spotted and blurry, it don't even look the same as the other. So spiritually... Uh, spiritual mentoring can help me understand how to rely on the holy spirit 's inward transformation rather than copying the behavior of others because by the time that you look at copy after copy after copy, this one 's imitating that one that one 's imitating this one by by the time there's so many people imitating the other people there 's nobody in the church really following the word of god they 're just following somebody they 've been watching. So how are we supposed to grow? The Holy Spirit is the one in charge of making the changes in your value system because you don't really know on your own what is pleasing to God and what is not pleasing to God. And as a Christian is transformed in his mind and is made more like Christ, he comes to approve and desire God's will. And not his own will for his own life he starts seeking god's will that's that's transformation that's sanctification taking place. then we discover that God's will is what is good for us and and it pleases god and it's in, it's complete in every way and it becomes all we need God's will is all that we need, but only by being renewed spiritually can a believer ascertain do and enjoy the will of god you you cannot copy it you got to have sincere change in your life through the Spirit of God. So, from the moment we believe until the day that we die, God is constantly at work changing our perspective of life. And this process should never stop while we're living here on earth. This means that we're never going to get to the place in our Christian life where God doesn't want to make changes in us and make us grow better and become all He wants us to be. He's always wanting us to continue to grow. And in battle, it always helps to identify the enemy and the enemy's tactics. And in our spiritual battle, understanding our predispositions towards self-dependence will help us to increasingly depend less on ourselves and learn to depend more on God with the Holy Spirit guiding us. So listen to this. Our human nature has a propensity towards self-dependence. We we would rather be self-dependent. We just seem our our sinful nature is geared towards self. So we would rather be self-dependent in three major areas in our life, and God wants to illuminate these three areas so that he can have control of our lives. Jeremiah 9 and 23 says, Thus saith the Lord, let not the wise man glory in his own wisdom. Neither let the mighty man glory in his might. Let not the rich man glory in his riches. But let him that glorieth glory in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord. See, the world system, the enemy, promotes independence from God, and Satan looks for ways to deceive us into believing that we can live independently of God and still be satisfied. I know way too many people that think they can do that. And in the Garden of Eden, Satan deceived Adam and Eve, in essence, persuading them, saying, God made you, but God doesn't have your best interest at heart. And here's some things that will truly satisfy you, independent of God. So Adam and Eve chose to seek happiness outside of God's correction, outside of God's instruction. So here's these three areas of independence. One is strength, your body and its appetites, and that includes your work and behavior. Concerning your body, you need to take notice of how the world promotes beauty and physical strength as being a source of happiness. You know, A lot of people spend a whole lot of money trying to make their self look different and thinking that'll make them happy. Another area of uh, independence is our wisdom, our understanding and knowledge. In the realm of understanding, the world constantly promotes the idea of having more knowledge, more college degrees, more education, and that'll make me happier. If I get more degrees and more knowledge, I'll always be happy and I'll be more satisfied than other people. And then we have another area, which is our wealth and our possessions. Many people think that the more possessions they have, the happier they'll be. Unfortunately, no matter how much stuff we have, we will never find true happiness because Jesus says, my happiness does not consist of the things that I possess, Matthew chapter 6, 19 through 24. So people go after these different things attempting to fill the void in their soul when God is the only one that can truly satisfy us. Verse 24 of Jeremiah 9 says we should understand and know God. That knowing means that I know God's heart and I know him personally, which speaks more than just salvation. It speaks about a relationship. It speaks about having his leadership and his wisdom working in my life. I know him personally. I don't know of him. I know him. Now, just like, uh, so uh, God wants us to, wants to be, the most important thing in our lives, and he wants to determine to what degree that we should pursue any other things in our lives. God wants to be number one in our life with everything else falling into place under his authority and not our own. So we do not prioritize the things that we want God needs to be the one to prioritize these things. So if I want to possess something regardless of what God wants for me, that thought and that action and that desire to possess something can become sin. But it pleases God when I ask him, God, I want this and if it's acceptable to you and if you determine that this thing would be good for me, then I would like to have it. That's submitting to his authority. God wants us to let him do the choosing of what things are best for us in our life because God alone knows what's best for me and you and what he wants to do in our lives. So Galatians 3, 1 through 3 says, receive you the spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith. So in other words, did you receive the spirit of God by working through the law, trying to do good and try to have those outward looks and outward changes, uh, outward actions and our behavior? Did you receive the Spirit of God through your outward behavior or by hearing the faith in Jesus Christ? Are you so foolish, he says, having begun in the Spirit, are you now made perfect by flesh? He's telling you, you've got to have the Word of God. You've got to have the Spirit of God working in you in order for you to be perfected in the Spirit of Christ. Paul is asking the Galatians if when they received Christ as their Savior, was it because they were doing the right things or had the right behavior, or did their salvation come through faith in Jesus Christ? He knew that they would know that the answer was by faith. And we all have the same tendency to expect our behavior to go from bad to good now that we are believers and to think that our correct behavior is all that God cares about. Yes, God does want the right behavior in our lives. Let's don't get this mistaken. He does want us to behave right, but it's not because we're focused on the right behavior. It's because the right behavior is a product or a fruit of the inward transformation that took place through receiving Christ and his spirit into our lives, allowing him to change us and cause that right behavior. So Paul says to the Galatian believers and to us, just as you were unable to produce acceptable behavior as an unbeliever, so as a believer, you're still incapable of producing acceptable behavior in your own life. The secret is to stop focusing on good behavior. Now, it sounds counterintuitive, but God wants to be the focus. As we desire to get to know God, he changes the inward perspective of life and that is what God is wanting to produce. He, he wants that He wants to produce the behavior that's acceptable to him. So he wants to do that through our inward change of our own life. So our inward perspective of life needs to change because of what he puts in us and what he speaks to us and what he changes. So the same uh the same sinful nature is like being a dictator, and, and it's powerless because we cannot let the outward behavior try to cause people or try to cause the look in our life to look like we're saved, to look like we're following the Lord. It's like a dictator. We're in control of our outward behavior, and, and we, that makes us be in the one that's in control of our salvation. So the transformation that's going on in our life has to be Christ transforming you from the inside out so that the outward behavior is not you doing it. The outward behavior is a fruit of the inward transformation that only God can do. Now, I'm either submitted to the Holy Spirit or submitted to my sinful nature. There's no gray area in that matter. I've got to be submitted to someone or something all the time. Now, he said, you're going to live for the Holy Spirit or you're going to live for the devil. You're not going to sit in a neutral zone while you try to make up your mind. When I'm out of fellowship with the Holy Spirit, I'm automatically submitting myself to the sinful nature. When I'm walking in the Spirit, abiding with Him, the sinful nature is no longer reigning in my life, but at any given moment I can allow myself to become out of fellowship with the Holy Spirit, at which time I will find myself under the power of the sinful nature once again. So how do I allow God to continue to transform me? And it's by getting to know him more intimately every day. Listen to God through reading his word, having conversations with God in prayer, meeting regularly with other believers for teaching, prayer, Bible study, accountability, and encouragement, being continually aware that he is present in your life and submitting yourself to him so that he can speak to you and let him be the one that runs your life and knowing that if any moment, In time, you decide to take a break from abiding with the Holy Spirit, you're going to find yourself being controlled and submitted to the sinful nature of the flesh, and that's where we mess ourselves up. And this is why we need to understand our predisposition of the flesh and our sinful nature. Stepping outside of abiding with the Holy Spirit means we are automatically going back under the control of the sinful nature. That is our, that is our nature. That's the habitual nature of the flesh. So you have to abide with the spirit at all times or you will automatically default right back to the nature of the flesh and do the things that you used to do. That's why he says to pray without ceasing, constantly seek the kingdom, Look, uh, be looking for the things of the kingdom with all your heart and all your mind and your strength. Make sure that you're serving God all the time, looking for him, concentrating on him, praying, speaking to him, reading his word taking up your time in your life with the things that are not of this world, but whatsoever things are good, pure, holy, and of good report. Think on those things. He wants to keep your mind occupied with the things of the spirit so that your body and mind and your soul will not default back to the sinful nature of the flesh. Amen. I hope this helps you out and uh, be sure to go back and play it over and over and over again to get this lesson down in you. The more you hear it, the better you understand it and the more you will abide by the teachings of the Holy Spirit. Praise God. We'll see you on the next one.